Okay, shall we? Because I got stuff to do after this. Oh, yes, shit. Yes, me too. Yeah, what? we need to do start now. We need to okay. start now. We're starting. We're starting. Or I'm uh, going to be late. You start. Oh, wait. Here's the flippity floppity. Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two youngish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Honor. And I'm Chloe. And this week we are discussing You've Reached Sam by Dustin Tao. And if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. I believe we do not have any content warnings for today, so let's get into the summary. Julie is a high school senior, always the girl with a plan. Everything changes when her boyfriend Sam dies in a car crash. Though young, they loved each other so incredibly much. Julie feels like his death is her fault because he was driving to pick her up. In her grief, Julie finds herself at a standstill and does not attend any of the memorials or vigils in Sam's honor. In an effort to quickly move on, Julie throws away all of Sam's belongings and gifts to her after a week. A meeting with Sam's cousin, Mika, makes her realize she's made a huge mistake. It is too late to recover any of the objects, so in a guilt-ridden frenzy, she calls Sam's number. To her shock, he picks up. Sam tells Julie that they can talk for as long as she needs until she's ready to say goodbye. Sam and Julie continue to talk frequently on the phone, but in the process, Julie is so busy hanging on to Sam that she's not there for her friends who are also in mourning. Mika in particular lashes out at Julie, telling her she doesn't even care, but Julie puts Sam on the phone to talk with her. Mika feels better after having this closure with Sam. After including Mika on her secret, Julie's calls with Sam become shorter and include more interference. Sam warns her that she will need to say goodbye soon and that they don't have many calls left. After graduation draws nearer, Sam's younger brother, James, runs away. Julie finds him and discovers that he and Sam had a fight before he died. James believes that Sam died hating him. Julie shares the phone calls with James. Sam's connection to Julie is now extremely weak. She knows she needs to let go for good soon. On graduation, they have time for one more call. Julie breaks her phone and thinks she's missed her chance, but she realizes that Sam's phone may be a viable option for them to make their final connection. She calls Sam from his phone and he picks up. They say their final goodbye and Julie tells him that he's left a mark on the world forever through the people that loved him. Sam calls her one last time and Julie has to let it go to voicemail. Sam leaves her a message saying that he loves her and that she is meant for amazing things. Just because he will never grow old doesn't mean that she can't keep herself from living. Julie lives her life keeping Sam in her heart but not letting it hold her back. She will always love him but she lives her life in his honor. The end. The end. I don't know, what do you think of this book? I'm literally asking you that. Stop cutting me <laughs> off. <laughs> Just being a joker. Just being a goo. This was an amazing book. I don't know how else to say it. It was emotional. It was a wonderful exploration into grief and how we mourn people. I knew what was coming, so I steeled myself. But there were moments in the beginning and the middle where I just felt myself tearing up and I was like, nope. Nope, don't do it. I would not let myself cry reading this book, but I very much wanted to. Honor, what did you think of this book? Okay, I have a question, though. Okay. Why didn't you let yourself cry if you wanted to? Because I'm a woman with things to do. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm a very busy fair. woman, Honor. I don't have time for tears. <laughs> no time in the schedule for crying. <laughs> so, I felt that this was a good book. I felt that it was a really good exploration into grief and especially in the 
how difficult it is to kind of let things and people go a lot of times. And also just the feeling of like you want so hard to deny that things happen that you push away everything that gives a reminder of that. So it's good in that aspect. I didn't feel very connected through a lot of it. So it wasn't until the voicemail at the end that I actually felt like crying because I just couldn't connect to it. And a lot of it, Julie just kind of pissed me off. So Julie pissed you off a little bit because, okay, here's the thing. It was very clear through a lot of it that Sam was overappreciative of everything about her while they were together. Mm -hmm. And Julie didn't ever seem to be. You think that Julie kind of took him for granted? I think she kind of took him for granted, and I don't think she meant to, but I don't think she was nearly as into him as he was into her. Which is, like, fine. You don't have to be. But then she makes this whole big deal. I don't know. I don't know. I just... She bugged me a lot with that. And then she's, like, all attached to the memory of him and the idea of him and, like, the fact that she lost him, but she's shoving away every single aspect of him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I do think that on the idea of, like, shoving things away, because we open on the novel and she's loading all of Sam's things into a box to throw out into the trash. And her whole thing is like, okay, it's been a week. I need to get back to my life. And... It kind of really captures this manic aspect of grief super well because Mm -hmm. Julie is a very high-strung type A person. And I saw a lot of myself in her, so it's very funny that you didn't like her. But, like, she always has a plan. And she's trying so hard throughout the whole course of this book to get back on track for that plan. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think she's trying that hard. That's the thing. She wants to... And she makes small motions towards trying to do it, but she never actually does any of it. Even at the end, she doesn't make any steps towards really doing anything that she wants. She does anything that brings Sam back to her a little bit, she will do. But she's also, she's very selfish in a lot of ways too, because she does things for herself. She negates her friends a lot of the time, which like, you're good in grief. I, that's fair. Like, you do what you need to do. So I don't blame her for that. But it is, it is a thing that is selfish. And she knows that Sam is stuck there and she's holding on to him so desperately that it's causing him pain in a way. Yeah. And she's okay with that. Well, she's not okay with it, but I do think the point is that she's selfish. Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole point because that's who she is for most of the book. And she realizes with every phone call that she shares with somebody, like she shared it with Mika and James, who were members of Sam's family that really needed to hear his words after he passed, she becomes a little bit closer to who she's supposed to be. And she kind of gives that selfishness away with every bit of Sam that she shares, if that makes sense. And I think that she does know that she's hurting him, you know? But I think that it's just so hard for her to let go as well because she has this group of exchange students that she's friends with. And one of those students is a girl named Yuki, who was also very close with Sam because she lived with his family. Yuki tells Julie that in saying goodbye to those in our life that have left us, it's like you're giving them permission to move on because sometimes it can be hard for them too. And I think that both Julie and Sam, it's very hard for them to kind of like move past this state of mind where they're still holding on to each other because at the end of the book in the voicemail sam is like you asked me why i picked up when you called me the first time and it's because i needed you too 
So they just needed to move on past that together. And it was both a little selfish because Sam was like, I didn't realize what my phone calls were doing to you. It was preventing you from continuing on with your life. And I'm sorry for that. Mm -hmm. So they were both a little selfish in their grief. But in the end, they grew up and moved past it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just that beginning portion that just makes me dislike her because mm. she is selfish in that way. And it was very clear from a, a viewer's perspective what she was doing and how it was hurting him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, why would you do this not only to him because you love him, but to yourself? It's like with the, specifically with the lantern scene, they have this scene where she decides to honor Sam's name and they send lanterns into the sky as a way of allowing him peace and a release from the world. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, was it Yuki who explained it to her how the lanterns worked? And Yuki specifically said this is a way for us to give them permission to leave, that they can have peace and they can have comfort and they can move on from Mm -hmm. this existence. And Julie takes that and immediately goes, don't leave. Don't leave me. You can't go. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's exactly opposite of giving him that peace and of giving him that comfort that he needs. And she knows it. Mm -hmm. I feel like on that note, Julie, you are correct. Like Julie starts off as this very deeply flawed character. But we have to remember that these books are not for us. They're for Mm -hmm. teenagers who might be experiencing this kind of grief for the first time. And they might be acting in the way that Julie is acting. And we see what's wrong. We see what Julie needs to do from page one, right? But Mm -hmm. for someone who is going through this or they've never like felt mourning or grief on this scale before, it might be a little bit more difficult for them to see that Julie is in the wrong in some ways. And I think this book does a very good job of showing how when retreating into yourself, you hurt those around you, even if you are hurting yourself. Because both Mika and James tell Julie after James died, it was like you died too, because you were just never there. Mm -hmm. And the phone, of course, is a metaphor. Yeah. And the phone, of course, is a metaphor for this kind of state of mind that you turn to, because when Julie is on the phone with Sam, she cannot receive calls or texts from anyone else. Mm-hmm. So all these people who are reaching out to her because they need her or trying to see how she's doing. And as a result, she feels more alone as she isolates herself because she thinks that no one wants her around because she thinks that everyone blames her for Sam's death. And she gets pulled into this spiral because she keeps holding on so tightly that she can't see those around her that are trying to help, mm-hmm. you know? But I think it's also important when you're writing something like this that you're not only giving readers a way to see themselves in the characters, but also a way to understand what are healthy behaviors and mechanisms. I think a lot of what you see in this book is that selfish nature. But I think if you if you truly love someone or some something like a pet or an animal, mm-hmm. that a part of that love is allowing them to move on i mean you don't you don't want them to leave but you also don't want them to be hurt or unhappy or in pain because of that i feel like if you don't love them enough to put their needs ahead of yours then is that love or is that just ownership But we're not looking at the themes at the beginning of the novel. We're looking at the overall message at the end. Because what Julie should be doing is not what she's doing at the beginning of the novel, but it is what she's doing at the end. 
So I think at the end of the novel, we see these healthy coping practices where Julie is once again opening herself back up and she's having dinner with James's family and she's going to college and she's seeing other people, you know? And this final voicemail that he leaves her, she refers to it every now and then as like a crutch, but as time goes on, she doesn't even need to know it at all because she knows where she stands and she knows how Sam feels about her. See, but you're talking about the end of the book and I'm talking about the beginning of the book. Yeah, but you're saying that these healthy coping practices aren't illustrated, but that's not true because it is. Yeah, but they're illustrated in the last, like, three chapters. That's it. But I also don't know if that's true, because throughout the book, it's just Julie slowly opening herself up again, like, a little bit more each time. Like, when she accepts the crystal from Yuki, because Yuki gives her this selenite crystal, and Yuki's like, my mother gave this to me for protection, and it cleanses energy, and it might help you if you keep it on you as well. And, like, are crystals real? Probably not. But it is this metaphysical crutch that a lot of people use to kind of help themselves be more independent after a great loss. And Julie starts to use that instead of relying on Sam so much. She's like, oh, I have this crystal and the crystal is helping me. And even though it's not the crystal, it's just things that she's telling herself so that she can heal. It is a step in the right direction, I believe. And let's not forget about Oliver, who was Sam's best friend that she starts to hang out with. And it was this person that she never got along with. And she makes like the reflection that she and Oliver might not have ever gotten along if Sam was alive because Oliver was in love with Sam. But she opens herself up to these new connections and opportunities to try to start to live in his honor because being close with Oliver was something that Sam always wanted Julie to do, but it didn't happen until after his death. And she's like, I wish he was here, but we're still doing this in his spirit kind of thing. And that's kind of good enough. So I think that she's taking baby steps until we finally see what a healthy healing process looks like when it's complete, because the truth is that it never goes away, but you still hold it with you and you live your life in their honor. Where Julie ends up at the end of the book is what a healthy mourning process turns out to be, because it's like that pain and grief never goes away, but you live in spite of it in honor of the person that you grieved for. Right. And I think she does a very good job about that. Like, you definitely can see the changes in her behavior and everything like that. And I do think she's handling it in a healthier way, especially with opening up to her friends and everything. But I think there's just so much at the beginning, even with her, like, all the flashbacks with her relationship with Sam that I think caused that disconnect that I have between Mm. the two of them. Because, like I said, I feel like she was just very selfish through a lot of this. And I think what I was trying to say earlier when I was saying that when you love someone you put their needs ahead of yours i think sam in all of those flashbacks very clearly does this he's constantly trying to make her happy do things for her this that or the other but you don't ever really see her doing that until after he's gone and maybe that's a symbolism on the when you have someone treat them correctly treat them right be there for them be there in the moment but it also might have just been unintentional But I feel like she didn't really respect him until after he was gone. Also, I felt like it was very odd that there were all of these flashbacks of Sam and her doing so well and he's doing all of these things for her. And then the reason he ended up passing away was because he had forgotten to come pick her up and was at a party an hour away. That seems so out of character to me. I feel like maybe it was just a thing where it's like, oh, I'm gonna go do this thing for me because julie was out of town 
So mm-hmm. maybe he was just like, oh, I'm going to, like, go to this party today, and he forgot. Because it happens, like, like... But she mentioned that he'd been dropping out on other promises that he had had, and that this wasn't, like, the first time, and that's why she was so mad about it, that she was like, mm-hmm. don't even bother coming to get me. And so it was it was interesting to see that we never saw his bad character other than that moment, and the couple times where he was pushing her away during the phone calls. And I, I think that's also an interesting reflection on grief and, and looking back on memories. Because a lot of people choose to only remember the good parts of everything. They romanticize the person that was there. And they block out all of the, the fights and the negative things that happened. I do think that there is something to be said about the romanticization of looking at your memories of someone after they're gone. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why would you want to put bad memories of Sam in this book? Like, that wouldn't track at all. No, it wouldn't. But we didn't see a lot of memories of her doing things for him either. That is fair. But Julie's a writer, right? And I think mm-hmm. that while they didn't say this outright, Julie decides that she's going to write about Sam. And I think that these memories that we are reading are things that she remembers fondly about Sam because while every relationship has its ups and downs, clearly they loved each other very much if she's choosing only to recall the good things. And if so many people like mourned him after he died, I feel like overall more a good guy than a bad one. And why would you mm-hmm. speak ill of the dead? Well, if, yeah, if absolutely seems more good than bad. But then, then it does throw off the character when... The reason for his, his death is because he completely forgot something like that. Especially well, I mean, when he was perfect, so... Right? Yeah, but usually they're not quite that level. Hmm. Where you're an hour away when you're supposed to go pick up your girlfriend that you love and cherish and know every single detail about her. And all of a sudden you don't want to be reunited with her the second she's back. He just yeah. forgot. I feel like it's okay that he just forgot. I don't know. Because like, I think I, it's I I think it's okay. I think that's a natural human thing to do. I'm just saying it seems out of character for everything that we saw. Well, from what we understand about Julie and Sam as people, I think that Julie is this very driven type A personality and Sam is way more laid back. He's always telling Julie to leave things up to chance and to just kind of let go every now and then and kind of go crazy. And we see that in the memories, like he's trying to get Julie like out of her shell and stuff. But also Julie has a plan and Sam does not. His plan is to follow Julie wherever she goes. So I think from that, we can kind of infer personality flaws where that, you know, he might be a little bit airheaded because he might have just been following Julie around doing whatever she wanted to do because she had more of a plan than him. Because his whole plan was like, we're going to move to town and I'm going to work as a musician and get a day job. And that was his whole plan. His whole life was centered around Julie kind of thing. So I feel like even though he did forget her, I feel like maybe that was like his big thing. He was just forgetful, you know, and he didn't really have a whole lot of drive of his own. It all kind of came from Julie's choices and what Julie wanted to do with her future. That's very true. I feel like he is kind of a puppy dog with her, which is adorable. Oh my God, absolutely. But he's Um, very bad at the sit and stay. No, because like I was saying that I see a lot of myself in Julie so it's very hard not to project my own relationship onto theirs, you know? I feel Which is, like, like part of what made it hit so fucking to home theirs. to me. What? I feel like your relationship is similar to theirs. 
No, right? Like, not to give too many details about my life on the internet, but there are a lot of fucking parallels. Like, a lot of fucking parallels. The parallels are shocking between my relationship and Julie and Sam's. And so, like, that's part of what had me tearing up all the fucking time reading this story, because it was very easy to put myself in her shoes, especially because I feel like in terms of personality types, Julie and I are very alike and that we have a plan and we have an idea. And if things start to go from that plan, we want to get back on track, but it's very hard to do so just Mm -hmm. because of like mental energy and mental health, etc. Yeah. I feel like that's why maybe I have such a disconnect with this book because up until that last you know, a few pages with the voicemail, I didn't see myself in her and I Mm. didn't see any parallels to my life or what I view as something I want for relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't like the one-sidedness that is, you know, the doting lover while the other one just kind of does what they need to to move forward. And this is not an attack on your relationship. No, all. give it to me. I don't view me, you bitch. that way. But <laughs> I don't view you that way. But this this book was very much that. Like you didn't see much where she was showing her appreciation until after he was gone. And I, I don't know. I don't know. There's just a lot that it's not how I live or love or view my life. I will say there is that one scene when Sam gets paid to play at his cousin's wedding and it's like his first paid gig and he's super nervous and we can see Julie kind of pushing him forward to perform and kind of lightening the mood and when he's kind of choking she kind of picks up the slack and helps him Mm -hmm. kind of shine and she elevates him. So I feel like If that's one moment where she did that, we can kind of infer that there have been a lot of other moments like that, but maybe it like wasn't the most appropriate time to show it because I'm, I'm sure that's what that scene was put in for from like a, from a literary standpoint where it's like, we see a lot of Sam doing things for Julie, but not a whole lot of Julie doing things for Sam because Sam is this wonderful creative soul, but he lacks that drive and Julie gives him that drive to pursue his dreams. And I think that there's a lot of intent there from her part. And I think that while he mostly shows his love through like things, he gets her all these wonderful gifts and acts of service. She also shows love through like these acts of service, you know, and uh, this quality time that she spends with him. I think it just it would have been better to see more of that rather than the one sidedness of the relationship. Mm. I think it also could have helped readers to connect not only to her, but to their relationship in that manner, because you see how she's supporting him not just how he's supporting her i see that yeah it also would show more of his character flaws no i see what you're saying with that just that you wish that you could have seen a little bit more in that direction Mm -hmm. it feels very one-sided to me with this relationship and i don't personally think that that is something that's okay for a relationship to have things be like very one-sided i just don't think it's as one-sided as you're saying that it is i'm not saying it is one-sided i'm saying it is perceived that way i didn't perceive it that way well i know you didn't but you also connected (laughs) to the character and i didn't yeah i'm saying that a whole attack on my character i don't think your relationship is one-sided so (laughs) i don't know maybe i am projecting maybe i am filling in the blanks but I don't fully think you are, because a lot of what you said is very good points, and they are real and they are true. It's just like, 
I feel like that should have been included in rather than just left for the reader to fill in. I mean, I, well, I mean, the whole book shouldn't be that, but like one or two more scenes could have done no, it. No, I guess that's fair. I don't know. The parts that had me tearing up the most was just like, it always gets me when there's someone that the main character just loves so, so, so much and they only have like a certain amount of time with them. Mm-hmm. And then when that time is almost up, they give that time away to someone else kind of thing. And I don't want to spoil any books by like dropping titles, books that have done that to me before, because that shit is almost sure to make me cry every single fucking time. Like I think the closest point where I got to crying and I had to like collect myself for a little bit was when she's talking with James and James is like, oh, like I broke his microphone and he said that he hated me and now he hates me and he died hating me. And... She's like, that's not true. And he's like, you don't know that. And she has like the tools to like show him this, but it would mean sacrificing the limited time that she has left with her loved one. And Mm -hmm. then she does make the choice to do that and kind of share in that moment with him by giving his brother back to him for just like a few more minutes. You know, that shit gets me every single time without fail. I'm like, (laughs) sniffing. For me, me, it's the end where she so desperately wants to keep him she wants to answer his phone call she wants to stay connected with him and have that connection with him forever and ever and she knows in her heart and soul that that is worse for him because that's not what he wants that's not what's best for him that's Mm -hmm. not going to help either of them and Mm -hmm. so as much as it pains her to never pick up that phone she does it because she knows that that's her sign of showing love is that sacrifice of everything that I want to make it better for you mm-hmm. to move on, to pass on for this to be okay. And it's going to hurt me, but I'm going to be able to heal from this and you're going to be okay because of it. Mm-hmm. That shit gets me. If you love something, let it go. And that's mm-hmm. what we're building up to the whole book, you know? That gets me every time. So true, Queen. No, that part did almost get me. It's just like the act of like sacrifice and love not necessarily like sacrifice yourself for love, but to sacrifice y- your own interests for mm-hmm. the love that you have. Yep. Because I think it. that should right that there. it's real. But-, but up until that moment, to me, it didn't feel real because there was nothing that was strong enough of her side until he was gone. She had to learn how to let go. I think that's also another thing to be said about living in... Sam's honor because when he was alive Sam was telling her like oh you just need to let go more like abandon your plan more just Mm -hmm. kind of go with the flow more so she's finally literally just letting go of him and like it's no secret that this is what she needs to do the whole book because she's not stupid I think that she realizes it long before because again in a conversation with Yuki she's talking about these nightmares that she's having about Sam and Yuki's like I've dealt with nightmares like that in the past and I've kind of conquered it by realizing that my dreams are trying to tell me the exact opposite and in all Mm -hmm. the dreams she's holding on to the truck Mm -hmm. that hit and killed sam you know she knows what she needs to do it's just a matter of finding the strength to do it and i think that the journey here is the baby steps that she takes to get there Mm -hmm. you know because it's not easy it's hard and it's a pretty short book all things said and done no it was a quick read i do think for such a short book the twenty dollars is or $19 is a lot. Oh, but it's so pretty. It is. Oh my God, it's gorgeous. That's why it's $19. The cover is freaking stunning. 
It's gorgeous. Not only the outer cover, also the symbolism in the outer cover. Mwah. I mean, that's just, it's gorgeous. But it? then it's like underneath. Watercolor pencils. Yeah. When you have the cherry tree, the blossoms, the tree mm-hmm. leaves, and then you've got them holding hands, talking on the phone to each other. He is in the darker shade while she is standing in the light, symbolizing, you know, death. It's interesting their faces that they're making because he's got his eyes closed and his forehead against hers. And he looks like he's in pain and sorry that he's doing whatever's happening. Versus she's kind of looked more collected about it, like she's accepting it, Mm -hmm. even though she doesn't want to. I don't know. It's just really beautiful. But under, if you get the hardcover, under the dust jacket is just a bunch of, of blossoms on a purple background, and it's stunning. Absolutely. So pretty. Yeah, I can't find the word count anywhere, but it's only 304 pages, which cannot put it at more than 100,000 words. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's more than 100,000, it is only by just a little, you know? Yeah, it's, it's let's see. With the epilogue, it is 293 pages. Oh. Well, there you have it. I I don't think it's more than 100,000, so it's like a very quick read. And the age recommendation is for 13 and up. I feel like that's a good age range. I I also would agree with that. I feel like 13 is a good time to read this. I I agree with that, because I think it starts to tackle some of these like more complex issues and kind of a more nuanced way to talk about the grief that we might be experiencing. Those teachers were did... fucking dicks. Yeah, they were. Julie's yeah. teachers can literally go choke and fucking die. Her English teacher was like, there's no free passes in the real world. And it's like, fuck your real world. Oh my God. Give her <laughs> no, a fucking literally. break. It's been a week. Also, he's like, I gave you extended time. Like, bullshit. Anyway, he reminded me so much of a professor I had in college. That pissed me off. Drop the name. And like... <laughs> I don't even remember his name because I just disliked him that much. Literally, fuck professors like that because... No, because there's no reason for that. There is there's no reason no to be reason. so mean. No, because if you're a kid and, and you're listening to this and a professor fucking tells you, like, oh, this is how it's going to be in the real world, or, like, even in high school, tell them to go fuck bull. themselves. Don't actually tell them that. I'm not liable for any <laughs> trouble that you get into because you know what? Even if that is the bullshit justification that they're giving, everyone's going to think they're an asshole. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can use that all you fucking want, but no one's going to like you. And if no one likes you, what's the point? I don't think I've ever known a real world situation where that has been something that's come up. They're like, oh, your loved one died? Well, sorry, you're going to have to do this anyway. Sorry, we still need that quarterly report on my desk. And if a boss or superior t- treats you that way, fucking leave right let's talk about this because it is this toxic fucking mentality that society has ingrained in us driven by capitalism that Mm -hmm. makes us think that if we mourn for too long we're doing it wrong you know and i feel like that's part of the reason why julie was driven to pack up everything in a fucking box and leave it out next to the trash because she's like okay i've mourned long enough like the egg timer's up on grieving it's been a week no literally and it's like it's been a week but that is how long that people tell us that we should grieve for or that is how long that society perceives is too long so she's like okay i have to get on with my life and i just wonder that if we were given the opportunity to kind of mourn in a healthier environment what it would be like you know what would the world be like Mm -hmm. because it's teachers like her fucking english teacher that are the reason she did that are the reason she lost every fucking trace of him because 
it's it's this ingrained toxic mindset also slight side topic i think it's amazing that she loves writing so much despite that professor right do you know how many people have the story that their professor was a dick or like shot and now they don't love the thing that used to be their passion exactly Mm -hmm. and she loves it despite that and i'm like you go girl you go because that's hard (laughs) oh my god right she's she's a she's a queen for that one Good job. Julie is a queen. I will say that. She was doing very good. Yeah, like, all things considered, she was functioning. Because, like, it's literally a few months. She has schoolwork that she's trying to keep up with. She has friends that she's trying to get herself back in touch with. She's mourning the boy that she loved for for three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. And she's dealing with colleges and applications and disappointment about all of that. And everybody, like, either checking in on her or blaming her for things that have happened. And she is still working on bettering herself and learning to cope better with exactly. what has happened. And not just about Sam's death, too, but also just coping with rejection. She gets rejected mm-hmm. from her dream school and has to go to college in her fucking shitty-ass hometown. And she had to face her nightmare of someone literally walking up to her and blaming her for his death. Literally, yeah, because we have, like, the mean girl Taylor and her boyfriend Liam, who used to be friends with Sam, and it's heavily implied that Taylor was, like, crushing on him hardcore. And she walks up to Julie and is like, it's your fault that he died. Like, if you hadn't yelled at him to come from the bonfire, he would still be here. And Julie's like, don't you fucking think that I've asked myself that same question, like, a million times? Like, if I had picked up one of his calls, if he had left a little earlier or later, if it had started to rain. And she has gone through, like, all these what-if scenarios. If he listened to me when I told him not to come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So she is, like, torturing herself, and she's still managing to get up and go to school with the same people that are pointing fingers in her face. A week after he's passed. Mm Mm-hmm. Even her mom is like, that seems a little quick. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Her mom's like, girl, you're not good, but I'm gonna let you do what you need to. <laughs> right. No, she is a queen for everything she is going through and how she handles it. Something that I thought was gonna happen that ended up not happening. Her mother's a philosophy professor who got kicked out of her old university because her students misunderstood a lecture and went around campus destroying clocks. So they asked her to leave because she was deemed too radical. But as a result, she's very paranoid and she thinks that the government is watching her. And that's just kind of like glossed over. I thought it was going to come back as a plot point in that I thought that her mother was hiding her acceptance letter from her dream college so that she would have to stay in her hometown. That didn't end up happening. I can see why that didn't end up happening because Mm -hmm. it would kind of distract from the theming of the whole rest of the book. But I thought it was going to like happen and be juicy, but it wasn't. See, I think it was juicy that she didn't get accepted into her dream school because that, oh, that too. forced her to change her plans and learn to go with the flow like the whole theming of the book is. This whole book is her just getting fucked over again and again and again and just learning how to roll with the punches. <laughs> Do you know what one of my thoughts was that didn't happen? What? So the first, like, or maybe it was the second phone call... Sam leads her to his room and has her open a gift that he had wrapped. And it was a bookend that matched a bookend she had just gotten rid of in the box of his things that mm-hmm. that she'd given away or thrown away. And so I was like, oh my god, is this like this cute moment where he's going to lead her to all of the things that she got rid of? A scavenger because it hunt. Just mis- <laughs> well, because it 
oh, it mysteriously disappeared, right? Like, because the trash came and picked it up. Yeah, mysteri- the, mysterious was, uh, the mysterious garbage truck. The mysterious garbage truck. Exactly. Okay. And so I thought that was, like, going to be a cute moment of going, I'll always be here, even if it's just through the symbolism of my things. I don't know. Anyway, that didn't happen, and I was like, okay, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> no, that sounded like a sick jacket. Sad that she lost it. I know, right? <laughs> sounded comfy too i was like oof on god also sam having so many of his friends just like in love with him is so funny to me okay but if if he he really the person that he is described to be wouldn't you also be in love with him probably yeah yeah he just seemed like a nice guy I know, but I think it's so funny that she's realizing this, like, after everything, and she's like, oh, it was him and her and this other one. His best friend, me, Taylor. <laughs> no, literally. Is there anyone else who's in love with my dead ex-boyfriend? <laughs> so, I want to talk about the pros a little bit. Yeah, no, it's the way that this was written, specifically with the memories and the transitions of some of them, I thought it was so interesting. Oh, it was a beautiful dreamlike sequence. I could totally picture that in my head, absolutely vividly. Beautiful dreamlike sequence. But the very first one, I forgot that we were viewing a memory, and so it transitioned where she walks out the door of the bookstore that she was working in, and she like opens her eyes she like blinks and opens her eyes again and then she's suddenly at the counter of this coffee shop that he works at mm-hmm. i think that's such an interesting transition because i had forgotten that we were in a memory sequence i was like oh this is such an interesting transition for like someone with dissociative identity disorder because a lot of times i hear that they view it as like they they're person goes back and another one pops up and then next time they come back that's what they see is that like transition you thought that julie had the id no but (laughs) i was like that is such a cool transition idea for someone with did Mm -hmm. for a book about did and now i really want to read that anyway i thought it was great prose you've been watching moon knight no oh he has did in that which is why i asked and they oh. handle the transitions really interestingly. More jarring. Less like that. But no, that could be interesting. That could be an interesting right? application. I thought the prose was appropriate for the piece. All said and done. I think the prose is very appropriate. Yeah, it was like pretty straightforward. But every now and then you'd remember that Julie's a writer. And you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. That particular like way of transitioning just was very cool to me. It, it scratched an itch. It scratched an itch I didn't know was an itch. I guess because I've not read a lot of books with memory transitions. Yet. Well, usually it's like boring because he didn't have to do those cool ass transitions. No, but, he did, but they're and way it was better. Cool about it. Yeah, no, it was cool and a lot more vivid, and I could picture it in my head like a fucking movie. Where is the You've Reached Sam movie? I would watch that so fast. You. This has the capacity to be Fault in Our Stars level. Okay, because I feel like. I would cry very heavily at the movie version. Oh my god, I would be sobbing in the theater. No, because like I didn't cry at If I Stay the Book, but when I saw the movie, which I know is nothing like the book, don't come for me, I sobbed like a baby it's in the so movie. so bad, but it's so good. Oh my god, just like in terms of the theming, it made me cry, which I think the theming is like the same. But, oh my god, the, the theming and the colors that they could use for the movie. <sighs> oh my god. I... 
I yes, please. I need that. I need just that. Just the right color now. grading, like when she's with Sam or like in a memory sequence, it's like super right. saturated and vibrant. And then like when she's like in the real world and not talking to him, okay. it's like literally gray. the cover. It's literally, literally the, the cover. cover. <laughs> the golden fields of barley just being <sighs> like oh my god and then at the end of the movie even though she's let him go it's still like in full color and not desaturated at all hire me hollywood (laughs) anyway i would kill for that movie oh my god i'm fantastic when is it has to be option for movie rights soon it has to be it's just so phenomenal it has the ability it's just like fault in our stars but better and no kiss in the holocaust museum i was just reading this review on the back of the book Mm -hmm. and it's like and the honestly beautiful moments we carry from our first love. And I'm like, hmm, did I not connect to them because I haven't had that? <laughs> Girl, that's what I'm wondering myself. <laughs> Maybe you're just bitter. I'm not bitter. You sounded like you didn't believe that. I'm not bitter. You sounded more convincing that time. I'm not bitter. In an interview with the author, uh, Dustin Tao, he also said that he loved writing the flashback sequences. No, uh, because they're my favorite part of the whole book yeah it's just so beautifully done it was the most challenging and his favorite part he said which is kind of interesting he drew inspiration from movie montages and he took a screenwriting class in college so that's probably where he got the idea he can write the screenplay for he this can movie literally... yes where is it dustin we're waiting dustin <laughs> dustin bestie i'm desperate i'm chomping at the bit you don't want to be like sam and wait until it's too late you never was that know a threat? when that'll be no that was not a threat other news from Justin Tao. His second book is coming out. You've Reached Sam is his debut novel. Oh, but okay. For a debut novel, flawless. Flawless. Phenomenal, right? Really, His really second book that. is another YA contemporary with a speculative twist, he says, quote unquote. It also deals with grief. He says he's still working on the pitch, but it's the vibes of WandaVision and We Are Okay. And he says it's not a sequel, but it exists in the same universe at the same time. <gasps> what? I think he's going through some shit. Dustin, are you okay? Writing two books that deal with grief. I think. No, but I'm. I hope you're doing well. I'm gonna be getting it, and I will be reading it. So maybe I won't be able to hold back the tears on this one. Maybe I'll like actually be. You are struggling on a debut to not hold back the tears, and writers improve as they keep going. Good luck. Oh my god, no, because I also had my guard up for this one. I was ready. I knew it was going to make me cry, especially at the end. So I was bracing myself for the end so I didn't cry, which is why I mostly teared up in the middle and the beginning, because I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it. But I'll have my guard up, Dustin Tao. You mark my words. <laughs> this is this is a competition of some sort now. Between <laughs> between you and Dustin on who's going to make and him making cry. me cry. Why would I make make him cry? Because he's like, I put all of my hard work into this and you didn't cry. And you're like, ha He's like, tears. If I didn't have my guard up, I would have been sobbing like multiple points through the book. Yeah, but your guard is going to be like double fold now. Anyway. (laughs) No, you know what? I'll go into the next one guard down. I don't know if I can say that and still have my guard down, but I'm sure I'm going to try. Just when you feel those emotions, take a breath, relax, let the tears stream down your face. So true, queen. And keep reading. All right. Even through the blurriness when the words are swimming in front of you. With that, I think we should go into ratings. Cool. This is an interesting episode. In case you're new here, we rate the books that we read on a five-point scale, judging in five categories of plot, characters, world-building, prose, and vibes that we then average out 
for a final star rating out of five. I believe, did I go first last time? Yeah, it's my turn. Uh, Honor, I have the calculator ready. What would you rate this book? Plot, I thought was very well done. The idea was there from the start, continued all the way through. There wasn't really any sidetracking, but yeah, I have no buts, so. Oh. I don't know. I feel like I can't get it a five. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. I don't know what it is that's holding me back from giving the plot a 5, but it's it's not quite a 5. Yeah, it's something. It's something. Maybe it's just because I wasn't dragged into it. It's Is it me? Am I the problem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Character. I thought all of the characters were pretty well done. I personally didn't relate too heavily with Julie, but I think her character was very consistent throughout, especially with her growth and everything. So I'm also going to give you that a 4.5. Okay. I I will say with Sam and the whole, like, him being an hour away when he was supposed to pick her up just doesn't seem in character. And mm. I get that there's probably a lot we didn't see, but that's the whole point of the character is what we see. So deducting for that. Pros? Well written. I feel like it fits the story and the age level and the transitions with the memories were beautiful so five stars all right world building it didn't suck me in however i felt like it was pretty believable i thought it was interesting some of the things that came about because of what was happening so like she had the phone connected to sam so then she couldn't receive messages from everyone else also, the whole part about the graduation when he was like, you have to call me before midnight or we can't talk again. And then she was late and she still called him after and he still could pick up. Kind of didn't fit with the world building, but it acceptable. So I'm going to give it a four for world building. All right. Vibes for me were a four. I enjoyed it, but I want more. I'm going to read the next book he has out. Mm-hmm. But I wanted more from this. I wanted to feel sucked in. I wanted to cry at more than just the two pages, and I did not. So, so true. Would you like to hear your final star rating? Oh my god, I would. You have rated. You have reached Sam four point four stars. Nice. That tracks. Yeah, that tracks. It's a good book. Did phenomenal. Since we forgot last time on our last ep- oh, episode, yeah. recommendations. Honestly, I would recommend this to the age range. That it is already recommended to 13 plus but i feel like it is a good understanding of how grief kind of works and how to learn healthy coping mechanisms for that and i also think it's just a good read for how to handle life in general not everything's gonna go the way you plan and that's okay things mm-hmm. are gonna still be okay yeah might so take a while for you to get to that point where you can handle it but you'll get there just give it time. You are correct. So, I feel like anyone who hasn't really gone through grief too heavily or have gone through minimal grief do would do well with learning from this. And those who have gone through grief already know what it's like. I'm so sorry. Chloe, your turn. <laughs> I, like the, I like the condolences. My condolences at the end. I, I'm in that category, so it's fine. I... I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And I would like to respond to your world building rating before I, I go into it. I think the inconsistencies and the kind of like vague nature surrounding Sam's state that he's in is okay. 
because it kind of like hovers around that uncertainty and just kind of going with the flow and that theming mm-hmm. that we've been kind of like attached to throughout the course of the That's book. true. But for the most part, he made it so that it was like very clear it was a go with the flow. Like, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know this or that or the other. And then there was finally an actual rule. Like it has to be before midnight or we're done. And then suddenly, oh, it's after, it's one it's one and 40 in the morning. Now that's cool. We're good. Totally good. They meant, they meant Eastern <laughs> Standard Time. It's okay. <laughs> Beth is in a different time zone. You get a few hours. It's daylight oh saving time. Oh my God. That's you know. hysterical. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Overall, I'm just going to give it fives across the board. Well, I don't even have to calculate that. That is a five star book right there. This is my first five-star read of 2022. Ooh, ooh. And I'm not Yay! easily Not that we've read excellent uh, literature uh, this year, but... Well, we've read a lot of things that you knew from the bat you were not going to love. I think the only thing that we've read this year that I liked was Sky Hunter. Yeah, oh, I liked that. That was a good one. Then we had Fallen. Then we had Shatter Me. Then we had Ruby Red, which was okay, but a lot of problems. And that I'm, puts us I'm to having where we a are good, today. I'm having a good time with this podcast. These are great reads. <laughs> glad you're having fun, Bestie. This is my first five-star read. I'm going to lock it in. Nice. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> we upload episodes bi-weekly. That is every other week, not twice a week, because that is too much. It's just too much. Cannot. Too much. Too much. We're mentally ill. It's too much. <laughs> Mental illness, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we also have an Instagram, a TikTok, and a YouTube with some episodes on there. Soon to be more, hopefully. Goodreads. And we also have a Goodreads, all at the handle, at Young Adult Adult Reviews. Same name of the podcast. No underscores, no spacing, no XX underscore username underscore XX. None of None that. Of that. Just None, follow us it, at that just, handle. Just type it. Young just Adult Adult it. Reviews. You'll find us there. Give us a Give follow us a and a follow. like. And a like. You can drop suggestions there if you so desire. And if you're listening or on Spotify. on Spotify. You can do it there. Magical. With that, thank you for listening to our review of You've Reached Sam by Dustin Tao. And that is, is a wrap. A wrap. Really bad at yeah, it's hard when we're not in person. <laughs> we still haven't done one in person.